What happens when you're the ultimate sandwich generation caregiver between kids, a spouse, a partner, in-laws, your own parents, and oh my gosh, now you need it too. Holy cow. This is the biggest sandwich I've ever heard of. What's next? Tune in. You might be surprised. Welcome to Doing It Best with Elder Care Success, where we explore ways to relieve the stress, exhaustion, and overwhelm that we all face in caring for an aging parent, frail spouse, or partner. Fear, frustration, emotional, and financial strain does not have to be your M.O. Stay tuned as we dive into different and new ways of finding more joy together with those that we love and care for, and while keeping our feet solid on the ground. Hang tight, there is a better road ahead. Hello, everybody. It's Nancy May from Doing It Best with Elder Care Success. And this is going to be a really special show. I am doing a show with my friend Jen Hardy, who is the host of Fabulous Over 50. And I have hit that mark. So <laughs> I know publicly I've come out of the I've come out of the 50 closet, I guess you call it. <laughs> but I love Jen's show and I love the work that she's done. But importantly, or more importantly, for this show, Elder Care Success, she has been cared for herself with her own issues. And she's been a caregiver for a a stepmother, a mother, a father, a mother-in-law. She's got kids. She's worked full-time. She's been single doing it all. So Jen is the poster child for sandwich stuff. I'll be polite. (laughs) (laughs) The sandwich. The sandwich. Bloop. You got it. (laughs) Anyway, Jen, thank you for joining me here today. I love sitting here and just chatting with you and We've had some pretty funny conversations and some, oh my God, like the WTF conversations, which I keep telling people does not stand for wine, turkey, and family. (laughs) (laughs) I am so thrilled to be here and I just love to do your show. Oh my goodness. I love your show, first of all, and I love you. So this is just going to be so much fun. Yes, it's a love fest show. (laughs) It is. (laughs) So grab the hugs virtually. (laughs) Let's start with, first of all, I want to hear... Some of the challenges that you've had when you've had illness flare-ups, we're strong women, both of us. I mean, most women in general, I think, are strong anyway, even if you don't think you are tougher than nails and you realize. But knowing how to ask for help when we kind of feel like crap is hard and you just want the world to go away. So what do you do? It's so hard, I have to say. Because as I had told you, I was raised that asking for help is weakness and you can never be weak, right? You have to do everything yourself and be completely strong. And so I'm married to someone who can just look at my face and know I'm having an off day and he does things and it's hard to accept. But we're at a point now where I'm learning and I'm saying thank you with a smile. And I used to get really angry. So I think if you're listening and you're caring for someone and you think, why are they angry at me? I'm just trying to help. It's not that they're angry at you. They're angry at themselves because whatever you're doing, they wish they could do it. And that I know for me, I used to really be kind of mean. I'm not going to lie. I was because he does things like he makes me a protein smoothie every morning because I can't eat solid food until about two or three. My stomach is silly. And I used to say, he'd ask me, do you want one? And I'd say no every time, even though I did want one. I didn't feel good. I didn't feel good enough to go make myself breakfast. 
So we, I finally told him, I don't know why I always say no, but I'm going to keep saying no. Can you stop asking and just do it? Yes. And so <laughs> now he does. And I'm so thankful. Yeah. And so I think setting expectations for yourself and the caregiver and the caregivee and allowing the person that's being cared for to say how they're feeling about things. And mm. how can I ask you or how can I go about things in a way that doesn't make you feel bad? Because we love that you're caring for us. It feels so special. But at the same time, oh, we wish we could get up and do those things. And it's Yeah, hard. that's a really good point. And even just noticing the stress that it's putting on somebody else. Years back, probably about 30 years ago, I had a major car accident and both my legs were broken. And 10 days in the hospital and come back and I was drugged up. So <laughs> drugs are a wonderful thing when you need them. <laughs> Not that I rely on them now, but it was funny. My husband would commute into the city and he we didn't have a portable phone at the time. So I was stuck in a hospital bed in our living room and he literally throw me the this the phone, the portable phone that he got, and two oranges, oranges, and I'd and say, "I'll see you in the evening." I said, "I kind of feel like a monkey in the cage now. I know how the animals feel like in the zoo." Yeah, and I laughed, and I think back to that time, and all I did was pr predominantly sleep because you're just healing, but I got kind of pissed off at him. Like, can't you just be nicer and send me an orange? Well, it's good for you. And boom, out the door. So to me and my dog, and I was happy. So I get it. Yeah. I think it's hard for everybody, especially if you're a really strong person used to doing your own thing. And, and with we my husband, tend to bark orders, right? I know that I got into the habit of do this, do this, do this, because like, I'm used to being in charge. And our family members are not our employees. <laughs> right? Exactly. And I like things a certain way. Like I like my oatmeal a very particular way. And as an example... And I think I had to let go of just stop micromanaging how he makes oatmeal for crying out loud. Just let the guy do the thing and be thankful. And that was another hard thing. And I think the older we get, the more set in our ways we are. So if you're caring for a parent that's 80s, 90s, how many decades have they been doing that thing their way? Right. And it's hard to give up that control and have things be different because the world is so different. Right, Having then, to be dependent on somebody else is a very difficult thing. So when you are caring for somebody, I think it's helpful to understand that they may even feel more angry or vulnerable because they have to rely on somebody other than themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. So you've also, I don't want to say stuck is the wrong word, but it's the word I'm going to use, between not just caring for your own health issues, but also caring for aging loved ones who needed help and caring for your children and going to work. And my God, I'm feeling hyperventilating because I don't have kids. And you've got a lot of them. You've got a whole tribe. So <laughs> how you do that, I don't know. But, well, I kind of do know, but I wasn't there. That's okay. But how do you balance as, again, probably not the right word because we don't balance. It's just... How do you make it all work without exploding or imploding yourself when push comes to shove with an aging parent who may be on their last days and you've got kids who need you in school and work? Where, where do you say, stop, I need to do this? Well, when I was taking care of my dad, I was a single mom. I had a daughter and I would work swing shift and I would drop her off. At the, thank God we had a wonderful family that took her. And then I'd pick her up at 1130 at night. 
take her with me to the hospital. We'd take care of my dad if he was in the hospital. If he was home, we'd go there. We'd do the things. And then we wouldn't get home until about one in the morning. And we'd sleep, get up, and do the same thing. And I did not take any time for myself. I did no self-care. I did nothing. And I got very sick when he passed. And I think part of my chronic health issues stem from during that time, my body was so worn out. I'm mentally, physically, emotionally just gone because my dad was my best friend Mm -hmm. and he did not have everything prepared like you advise people to do. And so when he passed, it was just a big poop show. And But I learned from that. And so now I do take time for myself. And I set up some boundaries, which are not easy because I was not taught that. But I think setting those boundaries and saying, I will take these hours by myself to do whatever it is that I feel like is going to refresh me today. So my thing is a basket. I have this analogy of a basket. And if my basket is full of things to give, I can give them to you. But when my basket's empty, it's empty. I need to fill my basket back up because there's no pouring that loving, caring, giving out on anyone when there's none to give. So I think setting those boundaries and expectation, that word it's has a made loaded a huge one, huh? difference. Right? Yeah, because yeah. we have expectations. The care, people being cared for do, the caregivers, everyone has. But when we don't communicate them, and that's not something that was done in my family growing up, you didn't tell someone what you expected. They just had to know. I don't know read your mind. And so my husband, Dave, has really taught me how communicating is a much better way to go. And so we're better at setting those. We're not perfect, but you know, I can say, I'm really feeling bad. I know what's coming. It could be weeks. It could be months. We don't know. And this is hard for me. And this is what I would like you to do. And this is what I'd like you to let me do myself. And that is hard for him to hear sometimes because he doesn't want to watch me struggle. Right. But I think sometimes when you're, even when you're not, sometimes it's healthy to do some things to push ourselves a little bit, just so that we can feel that we are. Yeah. So I know how I did it, but how do you take the bitchiness out of that? It's the only way I can describe it, right? Because it's very hard to not have that, that tension explode onto somebody else intentionally or not, really, because generally, I don't think it's intentional when we explode like that. But you hit a limit. And I know you mentioned the basket analogy, yet that's a very organized way. And even still, I can feel my blood pressure rising just thinking about basket, like really burn the damn basket. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, the basket was on fire. I'm not going to two days ago. It was like burned. It was okay. Good. At least I'm not alone feeling that. (laughs) <laughs> no. And it, I literally wasn't, there wasn't a basket to hold any caring that I had for anyone at all. Um, because it, it's a lot, we've got a lot of stress. My husband currently has a lot of health issues. So I am caring for him at this time and he's caring for me, which is a strange dynamic, but I, we keep saying that together we are one whole person. And so thank goodness right now, my weaknesses are his strengths and his strengths are my weaknesses. So it's working out well, but we also have two children with autism at home that requires some extra care and thought and emotional whatever. And a few days ago, I just lost it. But I've learned that when I feel like that, when I that bitchiness comes and I just tell them I'm a porcupine today, that is what I feel like. So if you come close to me or say things to me, the quills will come. I can't, whatever. But it's the first time, honestly, in 55 years that I recognize it. And I think that's the most important thing is you know, I used to tell my older kids, when everyone in the world is a jerk, look at yourself. 
because usually it's not every other person. It's usually you. And I have that to learn, right? It is. And one of my older kids told me that a few months ago. She's like, if you think we're all the problem, maybe you need to take your own advice. And I thought, "Mm." Mm. I don't like hearing that, but also it's accurate. That one Um, bit. (laughs) But but I did. I recognized, wait a minute. I am mad at everybody. Yeah. And I'm snapping at people. And does that spoon on the counter really mean that person is a horrible person? No. It means I've hit my limit. And so I've gotten a lot better about communicating. Yeah, you guys, I've hit my limit. I'm going to go in my office for a few hours and I need nobody to come in. And I'm going to do whatever it is that makes me feel better. And that really seemed to help. And they were thankful for me to be open. And somebody that you're telling though, if they're not thankful to hear that and they don't respect it, that's where the big fights are going to come in, I think. But everyone was very respectful. And it was the first time where I've just felt like that and handled it better. And it took a very long time to get there, though. So I think that's the thing is really open communication. Yeah, it's a hard one to do because you don't know how people are going to react. Not the best at saying, today is not my best day. I'm warning you now (laughs) before the coffee is done. And then there are times when I hit my limit and I will say, my joke, the joke has been, I'm driving to Massachusetts. Goodbye. Well, I don't really (laughs) notice it in the beginning until I realized I have picked on everyone in this house five times today about stupid things. Maybe it's not them. Oh, you have a whole tribe to pick on. I just have one person. So (laughs) that's not fair. I'm going to come pick on your family. (laughs) I need a few more, then I might get I'll give it you out. a few of them to pick on. They, they <laughs> need some shaping up. <laughs> now, so lesson number one, if you're listening, try not to pick on your tribe, but you meet your family. Yeah. And maybe a drive to Massachusetts is not a bad thing. There you go. Yeah, I know. Right? We live in Florida. <laughs> it was a lot easier when, we was in, when I was in Connecticut. So I want to switch back to some of the funny stories that you shared when you were caring for your, your, your ex-mother-in-law, I guess it was. And sometimes when we are doing the direct hands-on care with somebody who we are related to or not related to, it gets very personal. And I have to admit that I remember taking my dad into or helping him in the men's room at a restaurant once and just not getting into helping him get into a a non-handicap stall. So he nicked his leg in on some blood thinner. So it was kind of a mess. And I just said, oh, right, we'll just get some paper napkins and put them under his compression socks. And there we go. <laughs> so we were fine. But I know how bad he felt that he had to rely on me for that support, including another time where he's just, I, Dad, are you okay? I'm calling in the bedroom. Like, could you? Give me a little help here. I need help putting up, pulling up the pants. It's okay, Dad. I can just like jump, jump, and move on. And Mom, I didn't have to do that with, but Dad was the that was the hard one. So how did you handle those kinds of things? Because they get very personal very fast. Yeah. So with my dad, he never let me help, even when he had a bed, hospital bed in the living room. Dad and, and daughters are special, the aren't they? Yeah. I yeah. I don't know how he did it all, but he did. But my mother-in-law was, she, I took care of her from the time that she really couldn't do so much for herself until she passed. And I'll tell you one of the funniest stories. I was pregnant with my fourth child. So I would go over there every day, take care of her while everyone else was at work. And 
nauseous as all get out and dragging all these kids with me. And I would shower her and we only did it a couple times a week or whatever, but it was an ordeal. And I was still in my 20s and I'm looking at this 70 year old body thinking, oh God, I don't want to know that this is coming. <laughs> you know, to be honest, at that time, I thought it's better that it's a secret and I don't know. But I, in hindsight, I think it's very healthy. And I, I'm, now that I'm doing this podcast and talking to all these women over 50, I wish we did see more of what is re what's real. Because right. the older women that we see on TV or in the movies, they have 20-year-old bodies. I don't think that's healthy at all. Mom's 80-year-old breasts aren't perky anymore. What the heck happened? <laughs> they are definitely. Or when you've been pregnant or nursing for 12 years of your life, things are different But because <laughs> that's me. But I would give her a shower. And so with me pregnant, it was kind of an ordeal. She was a tiny little thing and we'd get her in there and she had a shower chair, but she would sit the soap. She'd tuck it between her legs and not just tuck it, like really tuck it. <laughs> And that's where she would keep it. And I'm not quite sure why that's how she did it, but she would wash and she'd do that. And then she'd wash that part first. And then she'd pull the soap bar out and hand it to me at the end of her shower. Like, oh, ick. And every <laughs> that's time I would just think, because I'm, yeah, well, I know exactly where that's been and I'm pregnant and nauseous and I don't want to touch this thing. But <laughs> looking back, you have to find the humor because if you don't find the humor, you will lose it. You will. And so now when I look back, that's actually one of my fonder memories of, of this time with her and a reminder that maybe I could have opened my mouth and said, could you rinse that off before you hand it to me, please? <laughs> but at that time, I didn't ever speak my mind. I just kept my mouth shut. So I would do whatever somebody said. And so, yeah. And it's okay to say, can you please rinse off the soap? <laughs> yeah. But I learned. But and you talk about making games out of things and making things fun. So. And when my dad was dying, we'd go see him. He'd be in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. And when I'd take my daughter, we'd stop at 7-Eleven at midnight and get a Slurpee and a chocolate bar. And he was on dialysis, so he could only have 16 ounces of water every day. But we'd give him a sip of the Slurpee. And I'll never forget my three-year-old just putting the straw in her grandpa's mouth Aww. and having him sip that Slurpee. And you just have to savor those memories, Those, even though it's going through a really hard time, because there is beauty in that. There's beauty in that you would have never had if you weren't the caregiver. Right. There's a lot that I missed from doing this 1,200 miles away. But when I did come down, and thankfully I had, and it was frequent, but thankfully I had a great team of aides, and we screened pretty tight. And if they weren't working out, I don't want to say off with their head, you know, I kind of felt like it was the queen of hearts. But it was interesting to see how as I encourage the gals who help mom and dad and to bring their family when they ask, bring the little, the grandchildren, bring the dog, how it made mom and dad's house a home. And it brought so much joy and life. And my mom, who I never considered to be very maternal, mom, if you're listening wherever you are, sorry, <laughs> you're a tough one. She would just tell the, the gals, don't put that baby on the ground. You better watch her. Don't. And she was like white on rice, like with the baby care. I'm like, where the heck did this come? Because it wasn't happen with me. I'm pretty sure I don't. <laughs> I would remember that even then. But it was interesting to see the gentleness come out with animals that would sit on their lap. And even one aide asked if my mom or dad liked to paint, and I said there was definitely creativity in our family. So we, I ordered a whole stack of. Of, of paints and the stretched canvases from Michael's. 
and I even ordered a French beret for mom. <laughs> she used to wear one. I love it. As kids. And she had one that she always wore, which she wanted me to wear one. And I thought, he looked oh, so ugly on me. I love France, but I'm not a beret person. But she would paint there with the French beret and do, I've got all these paintings now that you could see the moods that came out during certain times. And even my dad, who didn't want to be part partake in that, he made a picture of myself, of me out in the in the back garden, gardening in Zoka. I didn't realize I was that round, but thank you, Dad. I still love it. <laughs> so it's having that human touch that makes such a difference when the generations are able to be there. Even if you don't have those generations in your own family, it's fascinating. To yeah, see. it does bring something out. I think being around young children, and that's another thing. A lot of people think, oh, they're sick, they're dying, whatever. I don't no. want to bring my little kids around. And my mom was actually like that with my brother. My brother's 12 years younger. So he was only 12 when my dad was going through all this. And so my mom tried to keep him away as much as possible. Whereas, and so he was left alone. And so then I wasn't living there at the time. And so I, but I would be there whenever she wasn't there with my daughter. And we were part of everything. And my brother looks back and has no memory of my dad because he was shielded from it. But I don't think it was healthy my personal opinion. And I think children need to understand they do that it's okay to see someone be sick. It's okay to go through that with someone because that's life, that's reality. And if you can talk about it in a healthy way, you know, and not a doom and gloom and you're sobbing all the time. Obviously, take that time away from the kids, but it's good and then they get a healthy idea of just the calmness and the peacefulness and the normalness of of life and right? of illness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's the, a cycle. the joy. Yeah. They're really the special splendor, I'll call it, of an older person that can deliver something different than we can. There is a book that was recommended to me um, a number of years back called Tear Soup, and it's a kid's book. And I bought the book and I thought, I didn't realize it was a child's book at the time until I got it. And I thought, but this is such a beautiful story. It was a story about how. Somebody explained to a child how all the memories put together create this soup and this complexity. And I asked my lead aide if I could give it to her grandson, who was had a very special relationship with my mom. And he's, oh, he's now, he just graduated from high school. Oh, no, he graduated from middle school. But he was about eight years old at the time of mom's passing, and or in and around there. And he, did, he felt so bad that they, nobody told him. Yet he had been there to see and talk to her before she passed. And I said, can I share this book? And he's a, he said it really helped him. So knowing that a, a younger person is emotionally engaged in the relationship and not to ignore their hurt, I think is also important in sharing that in a way that can help them be strong adults. So I'll put a link to the book, Tear Soup, but ch telling a child that, you know, mom or grandma is sick and this is a part of life that we have to support and celebrate in a different way. Is Absolutely. Is and I think there's a lot to be said for being honest. I know, Hard know sometimes, a lot of people right? we want don't to want to tell the truth. Yeah. Like even when the person is on hospice, we have a few more weeks or whatever. You want the chance to say goodbye. You need to allow the children to ch make have a chance to say goodbye yeah. too. Yeah. You know, And if they're uncomfortable, then address that. I'm not saying you should force that, but allow them to have that gift because I really believe that's a gift. Yeah. And it, it's not, it doesn't have to be scary, but I love this conversation. I could probably go on forever and ever. Before we wrap up, I'd like to ask you, are there 
two or three sort of pieces of advice that you think somebody caring for an individual or somebody being cared for absolutely should do? Yeah, I think getting your paperwork in order. Critical, is absolutely. Absolutely critical. Because you've been there. You had Dear somebody goodness. who didn't and you know I've what it was been like. There. Yeah, I've been there with somebody who didn't. And with my sickness, my husband did not want to get our paperwork in order because he felt like if we did that, I would die. And so he thought holding off on that would make me live. That is not how that works. And it just, it really stressed me out. So I finally got him to get that done. So we've got that done. And then number two, expectation, that word expectation. But we've done that with our kids. We sat down and it's with our younger kids. And the things that came out that we had no idea, we just said, and this wasn't even about health technically. It was just about life. We, the four of us sat down and we had index cards and pencils and we wrote down an expectation that we had for a person or for the family or whatever as many as you wanted. And the things that came out of that conversation were really incredible. And I didn't know that my kids wanted or needed or expected certain things. And they were things I could give, but they weren't getting them. So I think in relation to your life in general, but especially in relation to things like this, if you're caring for somebody or you're being cared for, have that conversation. What do you expect? And if you can't meet the expectation, it's okay to say, I can't I can't do that, but this is why. And just let them know because we're not going to be able to say yes to everything. And maybe but there's then, an alternative to something exactly. else. Exactly. Right? Or you want me to be here every day at 10 a.m. Well, I can't come every day at 10 a.m., but what if I could come every other day at 4 p.m. because that's when I'm off work and that's when it works or whatever it is and let the person know you're trying mm-hmm. if you can't meet the expectation. But I think... Those conversations have gone a really long way for us. This has been such a wonderful conversation. We covered a lot in a short period of time, yet it's a real conversation. And life doesn't go in straight lines, especially at the end. And not even at the end, it's the second half of life, right? The first half goes really crazy in spaghetti directions, and sometimes it goes in even more mixed up directions at the end. But if you have, if you know what you want and you share that with others and it's okay to change your mind, then it makes, I think it makes this part of life even richer. So absolutely. Yeah. So that's it for this episode of doing it best with elder care success. If you like this show, please share a link to a friend, a family member, a loved one, or anybody in need. It's your gift to them because It's my gift to you. And that's it. We'll see you soon, or as I like to say, we'll hear you soon. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright, Caremanity, LLC.